Uh, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. God, you're so mighty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, great, 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 great God, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, God. We love you, God. I'm going I'm to let you be seated just for a moment. Uh, we... Camper, praise God. Uh, I want to say uh, how much I appreciate this meeting and meetings like this. They are very, very, very important, much more so than I think we really even realize. And uh, as time goes on, um, you see the value of situations like this and meetings like this the effects that it has in people's lives over long-term periods of time. And I know that they don't just happen, and it does take an awful lot of work and um, sacrifice and just good old-fashioned fretting. You, you say, well, it's just you just put a meaning together. No, 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 no. It's, uh, there's a lot to it. And so we deeply appreciate Brother Townley, the invitation and the fact that you you have this, that you have this. And um, it's a very, very, very needed situation. And I think it's appreciated because, look, what's very appreciated. There's a lot of hungry people. There's a lot of hungry people. A lot of hungry people. Amen. And, and they want it, and they want it right. They really do. Uh, also, I, 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 I remember, I was thinking as my son Joel was preaching this morning, my mind went back to a meeting many years ago, many, many years ago, and Joel was just a little boy, and we were at a very large uh, meeting. And uh, a man had got up and preached, and, uh, and then his son, if I called the man's name, many of you would know him, and then his son got up to preach after him, and I just kind of wondered, wonder if that'll ever be, you know, where I will be speaking in the same meeting with one of my sons. And, uh, and when that man's son began to speak, and the further he went, the more I cringed and I winced and some people were up and jumping and shouting and I was just, ooh, I was cringing and I'm, I wasn't critical, but, but I thought, uh, boy, it's too bad stupidity isn't painful, praise God. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I remember praying, literally crying crying. I was weeping, and I begged God, and I said, God, if you ever call, 
one or all of my sons to preach. I beg you, God, if they're going to be a preacher, uh, let them be real. Let them be real. Let them be the real thing. And uh, never said that publicly before, but he answered my prayer. And thank you, Joel. That was a tremendous, 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 tremendous message. I had a good friend of mine here a while back said, Booker said, right now they say, who's that? And they said, that's, that's Larry Booker's son. He said, quickly, the day is coming. They're going to say, who's that? And they're going to say, that's Joel Booker's dad. <laughs> Don't bother me. Praise God. And I'm, I'm here today. I, I, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord does for us. Um, uh, when I got into, uh, flew into Lake Charles on Wednesday, and uh, I, I had this bad stuff, and I was hacking up stuff, and it was bloody. And Brother F Fralin, and Brother Fralin, Dr. Fralin, Brother Fraylin uh, took this big old chicken under his little old wing and uh, <laughs> and uh, he really helped me and I thank you so very very much and I'm, I'm not quite totally on top of my game but um, I sure feel a whole lot better than I did and Brother Cardwell can vouch that at least I have a voice today praise God now, having said all that, I'd like for you to stand. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter number six. Uh, I, I did not, I did not, when I flew out, I did not bring any books, but at, at De Quincey, at Brother Cardwell's church, they asked if I had brought any, and they had several people that was requesting some books. So I had Joel bring a box of books, and uh, so the De Quincey church took about two-thirds of them, there's just a few left, just a few left, and they are back there in case, in case you would like to, um, you would like to purchase one of the three books that I have written. Uh, Journey of a Lifetime, How I Came to God is 13. Uh, the Book of David is 13. It's about David's life. What a difference a line can make. Subject of holiness and separation is 11. If we buy all three, there are 30. There's two Book of Davids on CD. Um, and that's 22 if you want that. And there's one Journey of a Lifetime on CD. So that's what's left. And if you want to get them, that's wonderful. And if you don't, that's wonderful. Praise God. <laughs> but anyway, they are there. Well, I feel Jesus in this house. I feel Jesus in this house. Now, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 14. It's pretty interesting that up until this verse, Jesus is separating his disciples and sending them out by twos 
verse 13, they went out, they cast out devils anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. And then in verse 30, the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, so he sends them out and they come back and interposed between verse 13 and 30 is this little story about Herod. It really is not there with rhyme and reason rationally. Um, you wonder, it's like a force fit because it, it does not deal with continuity at all. Furthermore, it tells us things about Herod that no other portion of the Word of God does. It's quite the story. And uh, it sheds to me, at least, maybe to all of us before it's over, light on this very unique man that I think maybe we can relate to better than we think better than we think. In fact, I'm going to give you the title of what I want to preach about before I read the text, and we'll see if it fits by and by. My subject today is Herod was a good old boy. Herod was a good old boy. If he lived here in South Louisiana, you'd probably say he's a good old boy. You wouldn't want to think that, but let's read it. Verse 14, and King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And others said, which is quite a jump in logic, and others said that it is Elijah, and others said it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets, but when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. Where it says observed, it also literally means kept him safe. Verse 21, and when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, ask of me whatsoever thou wilt and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her whatsoever thou shalt ask of me I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger 
the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake and for the sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. What do you say we pray? And let's ask today that God would really talk to us. Jesus, we do love you and we need you so bad. We ask, Lord, for a work of the Holy Ghost, a work of your Spirit that you, Lord, would talk to each of us in your own way, in the depths of our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits. Quicken us, God. Make us alive. Do what only you are able to do in Jesus' name. For we commit our lives and we commit this service into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. Thank you for your patience in uh, standing. Now, we've already made our remarks concerning the uh, interposition of this story in a somewhat inconvenient manner. But I'm certainly pleased, understand, I'm not second-guessing God. I think it was done, uh, obviously, purposely, and, and uh, maybe to catch us up short and to jerk us just a little bit and say, what is this? We know that the disciples were going out and about, and that in their own way and in their own successful ministries, they were also proclaiming the name and the fame of Jesus far and wide so that the sound thereof eventually made its way into the ears of Herod. It wasn't the first. It certainly wouldn't be the last time that he would hear about Jesus. Even before it was over, he would be pleased to have a beaten and bruised Jesus come into his court in order to try to get him to perform some tricks for him. And when Jesus not only refused to perform tricks, but to even speak to him, then he proceeded to have his boys beat him some more and send him back to Pilate, who in the process of their beatings of Jesus became friends once more, which is always interesting. And uh, so when the disciples are going about and, and the scripture reverts to this man, Herod, uh, there's much musings being made by the people as to, as to who this man Jesus is. And some were postulating one thing and others another. Some were saying Jeremiah, some were saying Elijah or one of the prophets. But Herod came up with a very interesting concoction of his own. And, and it takes, it's a real leap of, of rationale. It's one thing to say it's Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, but, but 
to say that a living man that is in your nation is the resurrected being of somebody that you killed in just probably within the last year at the stretch year and a half that's a pretty big leap that lets you know that that Herod's rationale was teetering he was more deeply affected by Herod's excuse me by John's death than what people realized it's like he's grasping at straws it's like he's hoping that Jesus is John the Baptist it's like he's hoping he didn't really kill him or that though he knew he did indeed kill him very dead God brought him back and in greater power because now he's back performing miracles and so that his deed was not quite as dastardly as as what weighed on his soul now that is my little conclusion we look through a glass darkly but we have to look through the glass of scriptures and and it is there for us to read and to ponder and so then it goes into the story behind his thinking and here's where we get insights that none of the other gospel writers give us we get into the mind of Herod we get into his soul we go in, we walk into corridors and thought patterns uh, that 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 again are oblique anywhere else that you go we know that 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 Herod uh, Antipas was he was the, the ruler of, uh, of, of Israel, and, and because of the Roman legions and the Roman government working as best they could in tandem with local established authorities from the days of the Hasmoneans, etc., 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 Herod was there in some regards somewhat as a puppet underneath the Roman power, uh, but that does not mean that he was bereft of power. There were, there were realms and dominions uh, which, which they held. The ultimate authority was, of course, Rome. And uh, Herod, as a leader, uh, had his problems, as all leaders do. And, and then he had problems that were of his own making. And those are what are real problems. Amen. And... Uh, and, and there arose this man, John the Baptist. He did no miracles, but there was something of his nature. There was something of his demeanor. There was something of his forthrightness, and there was something of his unction. There was something of his anointing that caused, that caused the populace to gather to him. That were, they were deeply, deeply affected by him and his very relatively exceedingly simple message of repent. Amen. And everything that moves, you need to repent. Every soldier needs to repent. Amen. Every, every sinner needs to repent. Amen. And when, the, and when people began repenting and they were coming to him there in Jordan to be baptized of him, 
And, and, and again, in the book of Mark, Mark gives us some pretty interesting insights. The Bible says they were baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. To me, it lends itself that they were, you can read it on your own time, but it lends itself that they were coming to him, flocking into the waters, standing in the waters, repenting of their sins, and then he would baptize one and then another and another. At least that's what drifts up from the scriptures to me. And, uh, and, and so when the Pharisees and the scribes come to, to uh, receive baptism because they were the leaders, and lo, there goes our congregation, so we've got to catch up with them. Um, when they came down to, uh, to, to get back at the head of the line, he, he said, you generation of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Don't think to yourselves that because we're sons of Abraham, everything's cool. God's able to raise up these stones to sons of Abraham. I highly recommend you bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Now, these sayings made their way to Holy Writ. You can also believe they made their way into the ears of all Israel. You don't castigate them boys without the word getting around. Did you hear what that dude, ooh, he got him. It was cool. And, and, and you can rest assured that Herod heard of that. Whoa. I have never liked them snakes. I'm glad he kicked him in the teeth. Good for him. I like that. Yeah. And, and then somewhere, someplace, sometime, John was preaching. And just to, just to kind of draw our, our minds together and to, and to paint the picture, I, 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 I can, let's just say that, that here's John the Baptist preaching and, and boy, Herod can't believe it. He's, he's leaning on one of his parapets at his, at his castle and he's listening. Whoa, dude, as he castigates those Pharisees and those scribes. And then he gets on the soldiers and says, hey, 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 you big boys that think you can come through here and and trout on everything and, and, and be cruel to everything. He said, I'm gonna, you, you want a message? I'm going to tell you, you need to repent too. And I'm going to hit you where it hurts. Be content with your wages. Quit flapping your mouth and your tongue. I mean, suck it up and be a man. You joined the army, you turkey, so shut up and live with it. And, 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 he's, and he's getting with the man. Do violence to no man. You know, quit being the town bullies. Repent. Man, oh, Herod. Whoa, dude. That's it. I remember one time I used to, when I was, uh, first started preaching, I was preaching down in a place called Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And, and there was a big old guy back there, big old boy. And, and, and he was rough. He'd go out in the bars He'd drink, he'd clear out bars, he was tough. He'd fight for the oneness. He'd just wait for a fellow drunk to say there was a trinity so he could take his teeth out of his mouth. <laughs> and uh, and, he'd, and he'd, he'd, he'd come in there and he said he'd have a hangover. But I'd, I'd be there and he'd, I'd be, he'd like to come and he'd hear me preaching. He'd get back there and he'd get so tickled and he'd, just, he'd raise his knee. He had the big old cowboy boots and his Levi's. And he'd say, shut the corn, preacher, shut the corn. And, and he loved it. He loved it. He'd go back out and beat his wife and beat up everybody else. <laughs> and he was a good old boy. That's just, that's just uh, that was Tahlequah's good old boy. He's a good old boy. 
Just don't, just don't talk Trinity around him. And, uh, and so, and so Herod, he's, 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 man, these, these soldiers are getting it. Them scribes and Pharisees are getting it. And, and man, that's good. And maybe Herodias comes and she's leaning on the wall. She's not quite as tickled as he is, but man, that's good preaching. Whoa, did you hear what he said? And then, and then, and then John starts cranking and turning the gun another direction. And he raises his sights. And he says, by the way, Herod, it's not lawful for you to have that woman there as your wife. It is not lawfully wedded. She belongs to your brother Philip. And Herod's, Wow. Whew. He was about to ask her what she thinks of that, but he he could tell by the look on her face what she thought of that. And those eyes had become slits. And she looks at him and hisses you kill him and I mean now you hear me <laughs> and I can just imagine that for the next few days it was very interesting around Herod's house Finally, he knows he's got to do something. And she's, did you kill him? Did you kill him? He goes, look, I arrested him. All right, you happy? He's in jail. Better shut that man. But he didn't want to kill him because he knew he was holy. And he knew he was just and he knew he was right. And he was the first religious man that he'd met in a long time. It wasn't a hypocrite. And so, he said to his, get that jailer up here. Yes, sir, yes, sir. How's John? He's in a deep, dark cell. And he ain't preaching to nobody except Harold the Rat. <laughs> but something is happening in Herod's mind, there is a morbid curiosity because in his world of darkness and intrigue and games and ploys and plots, it was so refreshing to see somebody so honest and so forthright and just so... He felt bad he was in jail, didn't really want him to be there, but and he's got to live. And uh, so one night, he goes down to the cell. 
he's not, he's not, he's, he don't, he's awkward, you know. He don't know how to do this. He, he just, he's just down there. He's wondering why he's even there. Why am I even here? Nobody knows he's there. The jailer knows he's there, but he's keeping quiet. And he's about to turn and go, and out of the depths of the cell, he hears a voice say, Hello, Herod. Hello? It's nice of you to come see me. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is not in Holy Writ, but it's my turn to talk. Praise God. <laughs> so, you can go home and say what you want. But there's enough clues here that I think something, something along this line happened. And uh, how, how are you doing, John? Well, I've done better, but I could be doing worse, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how's Herodias? Ooh, she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's fine. Um, I just wanted to check on you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And he starts to leave, and he snaps his finger, and the jailer runs. And he says, you get him out of that cell, and you get him out now. You put him in a better place. You get him some blankets and quit feeding him that slop. You're giving him some food. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And a few more days go by, and he comes down to a new place. Hello, Herod. Hi, John. How are you? Much better. I thank you so much. I appreciate these accommodations. They're better. I'm, I'm resting much better now. And the food is, is much better. Thank you. Yeah, well, why? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Why'd you do that to me? <laughs> I mean, come on now. I'm the king. What's, what gives here? You're the king in a region called Israel. We're a people of law. We're a people of the book. We're the people of the word, Herod. You know that. You knew that when they placed the crown on your head. You've always known that. And the law never changes. This, Your kingdom will pass away. Your rulership will be over. But that word will remain forever. And that's why I must preach it. Oh. Well, you sure laid it on them Pharisees and scribes. I guess I did. Because the Bible says he heard him. And he began to come basically and question him often. And he observed and did many things gladly. So where, do, where does this come from? Somewhere there was a communication, a rapport 
that had developed. I think there was visitations. There was, there was question and answer sessions. Call them Bible studies, whatever you want to call them. And, 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 and there's, there's something happening with Herod. And, 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 he, and he's going his way, and, and he sees a soldier backhand some kid that was checking things out, and he slaps him back, in the, and the king stops him and says, Don't treat that boy like that. And word is starting to get out in the palace. Something is happening to Herod. What's happening? Well, he's, he's, getting, he's talking so much to, to John. The scripture says he feared John. He knew John was a just man. He knew he was a holy man. He observed him. He heard him. He did many things. He heard him gladly. And so there's some reformation beginning to take place around the palace. And, and all of the prisoners, this is just my mind at work, but, but one day in the course of their discussions and, and on and on, and I thank you for my room, Herod. Well, I hoped you, you would like it a little better. You know, there's some men back down there in that wretched thing you call a dungeon. Well, yeah, they deserve to be. Well, they haven't even been to trial yet. You might consider, Herod, that um, that could be you. And so we don't know what all they were, but things were changing. And, and I, I can't even imagine the day they were about to eat. And somebody started to grab in, and Herod said, <clears throat> just a minute. We're going to say grace. Do what? <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for this food and bless the hands that prepared it. And he's so proud of himself. And Herodias is... Things are going on. They're getting closer. He did many things gladly. There's, Herod is starting to see that, that maybe there's just, he's, he's doing things. He's good. He's coming to church more often. He put on a tie the other day. Amen. He got there on time. He moved from the back row. And don't worry, brethren. I'm not getting on nobody. He, somebody's got to sit back there. Praise God. He moved from the back row about a third of the way up and now he's he's halfway up there he's sitting with his wife he's a good old boy he shakes he shakes the parson's hand you don't get too close to the speaker though <laughs> and uh and 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 he meets brother joe how, how, how you doing brother joe good, good. and he's, he's getting used to it and he kind of likes it and, and one night Herod comes down to the cell and, John, how you doing there? I'm doing fine, Herod. I've been praying for you. Have you really? That's good. That's good. I've had a burden for you, Herod. Really? Yeah. Herod, I want to talk to you now from the depths of my heart. Yeah? 
And John comes up to the bars. And he looks him in the eyes and he says, Herod, there's an allotted time to man. There's time frames and spaces where God gives and deals with a human being. And then you come to what is known as times of visitation from the Lord. And when these times of visitation come, a man has to do something with them. Because if he doesn't, he's got to do the right thing. He's going to go one way or the other. And I don't know how all the conversation went about, but, but Herod, I want you to hear me. You can rest assured somewhere the Holy Spirit of God began to deal with this man. And John's voice talking to him, and come on, Herod, it is time for you to really repent. What you saw, what took place at the River Jordan, if you'd let me out of here for five minutes, I would baptize you and gladly come back into this cell. Never a problem, but John, but Herod, listen to me. God's, and I can see Herod, his hands on his sets of bars. Both men hanging on the bars, but who's really in the prison house? And I can see Herod just, come on, Herod, let's pray. Let's pray right now. And 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 then and, and, and John, listen, L listen, John. I, I, I know what you're saying is right. I, I know it's true, but I'm going to tell you what. Listen, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, there's a more convenient season uh, right now. I've got a lot of things pressing me, and 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 my birthday's coming up, and and we're getting a lot of preparation. I have a big party, and and, and this and that. So so, listen, don't give don't give up on me, and 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 you keep praying, okay? Herod, please come back, and don't. Herod, Herod, I'm just telling you, the Lord's dealing with you now, Herod. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the exception. Hey, listen, John. Listen, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. Trust me. I'll be back. Listen, I appreciate you, man. I really do. I really do. And he gets out of there, and, uh, and, he, and he tells the jailer, he said, look, I'm on, I want you to make sure he's got fresh water three times a day, and, uh, and I want you to pick up the food and add some spices and, and, and take care of him. And I want, I, want to, I, want his clothes, I want his clothes washed three times a week. I, I want him taken care of. And help all these other guys in this prison. And he goes his way. And he's out there. And now he's, for the next few days, he's really doing good things. He's really doing good things. Because, man, I got to... Yeah, I'm going to do good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it because, see, Herod was a good old boy. Herod was a good old boy. Amen. He did. He observed many things gladly. And, uh, but he's excited. There's, a, there's kind of a kid in all of us, you know. His birthday's coming up. Boy, I hear Herodias. She's really putting on the shebang this year. She must not be as mad at me as I thought. <laughs> And 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 he comes into the banqueting room, and there is all the big dogs. There's everybody, and 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 man, there's there's high personages. There's everybody. Woo! And and it's happy birthday to y'all. Come on. And they and they. And they sat down, and it's a feast, and, and people are standing up and giving orations. And they're making toasts. 
And I'm going to make a toast to Herod. And everybody said, hear, hear. And so Herod, mm, and then somebody else, I make a toast to Herod. Herod, me too. <laughs> and this goes on half the night. And everybody's toasting. I like Herod's dog. He's got the best dog I've ever seen. Hear, hear. Yeah. And Herod's having a good old time. He ain't thinking about John. He ain't thinking about that preacher. He's having a, he's a good old boy. And everybody's laughing and giggling. And at the far end of the table, she's been sipping at her drink, is the said Herodias. Drink on, Bubba. You have a good time. And they're carrying on. And then there's music and singing. And now somebody bangs the cymbals and everybody stops. And new music. A sensuous music. An eerie music. And as light as a deer, this lithe young thing flips onto the table. And all these guys, whoa, dude. <laughs> and Salome, Herodias's daughter, who she don't care if she prostitutes her. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what kills me about this Hollywood business. They don't care who they prostitute. Parents push their kids into becoming stars. And they know it's producers' couches and everything else. And God help. The world's one thing, but the church is something else. For a one God, Jesus' name, apostolic, to make that kind of sin and debauchery their entertainment? Come on. Come. Something wrong with this picture. Something's wrong. But at any rate, she's dancing. She's moving slow. Slowly, surely, inexorably, the music, the tempo is picking up and getting a little faster and a little faster. She dances and prances and leaps, goes and does, and, and then the music is getting more and more and more. And, and guys are sitting there and they're, and they're sipping their, their drinks and here's Herod he's not thinking about John that last visitation that, that conviction that he felt that, that shaking at the bars that, that promise that I'll be back some, that's so far from his mind right now all that's on his mind is what's in front of his face and in his eyes and in his ears and, and she's dancing and prancing and going and whirling and twirling and everybody's breathing and, and she comes sliding in and he stands up what do you want, baby? I'll give it to the half of my kingdom. 
and she gets up and she tippy toes back to the far end of the table and says mother what would you like she never bats an eyelash the head of John the Baptist and here's O'Hare <laughs> boy yeah boy half the king man I'm going I'm a good old boy man I'm just and everybody's slapping him on the back dad you're cool can't wait to hear what she wants him and she comes back and she gets down hands and knees looks in his face I want the head of John the Baptist. I want it on a charger. And now you can hear a pin drop. Suddenly everybody's a whole lot more sober than they were a minute ago. Well, we play hardball in this house. And John's very much sober. Excuse me, Herod. But he's made an oath. He shot off his mouth in front of all these people. And Herodias is looking at him. And now all eyes are to him, and then they're looking at their plates. And peer pressure got him where conviction wouldn't. Two most powerful forces in the world, peer pressure and conviction of God. We better respond to conviction and forget this peer pressure. And the good old boy said, <clears throat> Go get, go get the head of John the Baptist. Bring it here. And when they get to the cell, John's ready. He's already picked up on it. He felt something snap a few days ago. He knew it was not a portent for good. But he was just a voice crying in the wilderness. And he tried to cry into the wilderness of Herod's soul. And they take him and they chop off his head. They put it on a platter. They put a covering over it. They bring it in a charger. People are, there's been a few more toasts, but they're so half-hearted and pitiful. It's just dying on their lips and and then everybody's sitting there and this man comes in in the middle of that long table the charger's placed and when they lift off the cover staring into Herod's eyes are the sightless eyes of John the Baptist 
And first one gets up from the table, and then another. Nobody's got an appetite now, and they, one by one, are making their way out. And the last three are Herodias and Herod and what's left of John. And Herodias gets up. Wipes her mouth. And makes her way out. And he's left with John. For the rest of his days, he is left with John. He will never forget that sight. He will never forget that moment. It's stuck with him forever. And then the hinges start to squeak. And then they start to fall apart. And Herod is becoming aboriginal. And Historic traditional history says he really got weird before it was over. And so now there's this new man out there, and he's and, and some say he's John. I mean, I mean, some say he's Jeremiah, some say he's Elijah, and some say, well, maybe he's Isaiah, maybe he's one of the other prophets. But Herod, no, 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 no. That's John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. He's hoping. Brothers, I'm just almost done. I've been in the ministry now 37 years, 38 actually, going on. I've pastored almost 30 of those years. Brother I. H. Terry told me one time, said, Larry Booker, if you live long enough, you will see most every single story of the Bible played out before your eyes. And so far, it's true. There's a few left, but I'm not done. I remember, I remember a man by the name of Bob. I like Bob. Bob was a genius. He really was a genius. His wife, his wife was in our church. And, uh, and old Bob was an electrician. He, was, he, was, he could have been anything he wanted to be. He'd been, he'd been a little bit of everything. I remember when I'd go over and I'd, I'd try to talk to Bob. I'd, I, would, I would talk to him about God. Well, he got to where all everyone would talk about was Albert Einstein. Well, I didn't know much about Albert Einstein. I knew he said E equals MC squared, but that's all I knew. So I went and I got a book that thick on Albert Einstein and I slowly slugged my way through it so that Bob and I could talk. About the time I was ready to talk about Albert Einstein and hopefully get end up on Jesus Christ when he got into Albert Einstein he decided he wanted to talk about something else because he knew where I was headed. But I liked Bob and Bob liked me. Bob had one problem. He was drunk. He had thrown away his Life. He'd walked through many fortunes. He'd been up. He'd been down. He'd squandered. He'd, he just, he just, it was, it was a sad state of affairs, but he was an interesting, interesting man. But I remember, I remember when I began to finally 
get next to Bob and and we could talk and go and and do and and sometimes we would we would ride around and talk and we'd get something to eat and and we didn't become bosom buddies but but I'd try at least once a month to to to, to get in touch with him with a close good way maybe twice a month and uh I remember one time and we we lived in a in a house that was that was uh had its problems at best and we needed to put in a heater well I'm about as adept as Fido the dog when it comes to putting in a heater and uh, but I had bought everything got it all set up and I was ready to tear into it because we needed a heater because that house would freeze in this part of the house and and Bob came over and I had the stuff laying everywhere and I, and and he walked in the house he said what are you doing preacher and I said well I'm just going to put this in he said I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. He said, don't you have to go out of town and preach? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving in the morning. He said, me and you are going to take this stuff. We're going to put it all in this room right here. You go study, and you get ready to preach, and then you go preach. When you come back, this will be in. He said, you're a preacher. God called you to preach and to see people saved and to see their lives changed. He said, me, I'm a nobody. I'm a drunk. I'm a has-been. He said, but I can put in heaters. You ain't got time to fool around with this tawdry stuff. You go pray, you go study, you go preach, and you let guys like me take care of your heaters. I said, Bob, don't even talk. He said, no, no, no. You know what I'm telling you is true. I said, it is not true. He said, are you a preacher or not? I said, yes. He said, am I a drunk or not? You don't have to be, Bob. Fine. You go your way. When I come back, not only was the heater in, he had gone through my house. He'd realized that I had wiring up in the attic that was so brittle and ready to snap. He said, it's a miracle this house didn't burn up years ago. He rewired my entire four-bedroom house and wouldn't charge me a dime. Bob was such a good old boy. I loved Bob. I loved him so much. I remember the night. I remember the night. I remember the night he came to church and I preached to him. And it was basically a case. My hands were on this side of the bars and his hands were on the other side of the bars. And there was nobody else in that room but me and Bob. And I remember him coming up and coming down to the altar. And I remember kneeling across from him as he was praying and folks began to gather around. And I remember as the man reached up in rage and he grabbed me by the tie and a shirt and he pulled back his fist and he said, Do you know what a man did to me 30 years ago? And I said, Bob, I have no idea what happened to you 30 years ago. But I know what's happening right now tonight. And Jesus is here to set you free and to break the chains and to help you right now.
and I watched Bob bury his head. And he cried for a little bit. I watched him stiffen. I watched him suck it up. I watched him stand. And I said, Bob, please don't go. He said, goodbye, preacher. One of the best old boys I'd ever met in my life. I never saw him again. Two years later, I was at a big conference in Oklahoma City. Bob had left. He'd left his wife. And I was, for some reason, I was, I was with Brother Howard, my brother-in-law. We got out. We were, we were going to a restaurant. And for some reason, I was telling him about old Bob. And I was telling him all. I just, it was pouring my heart out about Bob. And I walked up, and there was a van. And I stepped back. I said, that's Bob's van. This is Bob's van. I said, I can't believe it. Bob, he's, he's got to be in that restaurant. It's Bob's van. And I looked in the windows. Couldn't see nothing because they were all darkened. And I ran inside the window, inside the restaurant, looking everywhere for Bob. And I realized he was in the van. And I ran outside. And I saw the van speedily pulling up on the on-ramp and taking off. He'd been in the van and he'd heard my voice. Amen. He said, brothers, or you may say, Brother Booker, that's fine, but what, 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 what is this message all about anyway? Well, brothers, I'm going to tell you something. Somewhere in your life, it ain't going to be enough to be a good old boy. I'm glad you're around the church. I'm glad you come to church. I hope you bless them to your pastor. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere, if you haven't already gone all the way, this is a men's meeting. God's not interested in just having a bunch of good old boys. He wants fathers and grandfathers and husbands and sons that know what it is to go all the way and say, Jesus, for me and my house, for me and my house, it ain't going to be no, no just good old boy business. No, 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 no. I'm in this heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm in this with everything that's in me. I'm in this with my heart. I'm in this with my pocketbook. I'm in this with my, with my free time. I'm in this with my prayer time. I can go fishing. I can go on and all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the house of God and the needs of God and the work of God, brother pastor, you can count on me. My mind is made up. I'm not just going to be a good old boy hanging around the church. I'm going all the way with you, Jesus. I want us all to stand. It's going to be me as much as possible, my wife as much as possible, my kids. 
But God, if nobody else goes, I'm making up my mind. I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing the work of God. I'm behind the man of God. I'm going to get in this thing with all that's within me. I'm not an onlooker. I'm not an outside looking in. I'm on the inside and trying to get everybody else inside. In Jesus' name. We have no altar area to pray, but we've got where we are. My good brethren, my friends, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house, and he loves us. I want us to pray. I want us just to talk to Jesus. Jesus, you see my heart. You see my mind. You see my soul. You see my spirit, God. God, I'm going all the way with you. I'm going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to do what you want me to do. God, I'm going all the way. Brother, lay your hand on the shoulder of a brother by you. Let's pray one for another. God's here to help us. Come on, God's here to help us. Come on, God's here to help us. I will give you all. I will give you all. All is what you ask of me. I will not withhold. If my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cross, be willing to say yes. I will give you all, I will give you all, if all what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, let me remember Calvary's cross, be willing to say yes. I will give you all. sacrifice is less than giving you my very best. Let me remember Calvary's cross, be willing to say yes. I will give you all, I will give you all, if all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. If my sacrifice is less, giving you my very best, 
Let me remember Calvary's cross. You're willing to say yeah. 